Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello there, podcast listeners. Today, markets are currently down currently right now, which is not a fun day in the making currently, but we can live with it. At least I can for the time being. But we got some very interesting articles to be able to talk about today. First, we're going to be talking about more about the baby formula shortage that's happening and what Amazon and Walmart are currently reporting to the American people currently right now and potentially the world, I guess you can say. We're then going to be talking about Boeing and their 787 problems that they're currently having still, I guess, with paperwork. Then we're going to be talking about Tesla in India. Now, that one's going to be an interesting one to cover just for a little bit in this podcast. And finally, we're going to end today by talking about big oil and what's happening currently with shareholders. I think a lot of you would find this interesting, especially from potentially what had happened a year ago and almost the exact same meetings that are happening with big oil. That being said, guys, before we begin this podcast, I have to remind you all that I am not a financial advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. If you wish to make any financial decisions, I wish that you could go talk to your professional advisor and because they understand your situation a lot better than I do. Please do talk to your financial advisor before making any financial decisions. With that being said, let's begin with today's podcast. Exclusive maker of Walmart, Amazon, store brand baby formulas see shortages through the rest of 2022. Perego Company, or PRGO, which makes the store brand baby formulas for retailers including Walmart and Amazon.com Inc., expects shortages and heightened demand to last for the balance of the year, Chief Executive Murray Kayser told Reuters in an interview. The Biden administration this week has come under increasing pressure to address a baby formula shortage, which has rooted in a February recall of some formulas by one of the nation's main manufacturers, Abot Laboratories. Quote, we have stepped up and are killing ourselves to do everything we can, Kessler said. Perego's formula manufacturing facilities in Ohio and Vermont are now running at 150% of capacity, Kessler said. At the request of the Food and Drug Administration, Perego is focusing on four items, the store brand versions of similar pro-sensitive and pro-advance, an infamilia gentle ease and infant, Kessler said. The company added that it's making other formulas as well. It has all it has a smaller business making some national formula brands, including Bobby. The closure of Abot Infant Formula plant in Sturgis, Michigan, exacerbated national pandemic-related shortages, leading to empty shelves in big box stores and supermarkets, and panicked parents. Abots included Simil- Similac formulas. Prego is working with retailers, including Walmart and Target Corp so that they can get something each week, Kessler said. Uh, Retailers associated are based on average of what the retailers received prior to the crisis, he said. So we talked about this a little bit last week. I think we, if I remember correctly, the shortages are supposed to last all the way until 2023, according to ABOT Laboratories. I think too with uh, Prego, uh, sorry, Prego, I think the same thing's gonna happen with them as well. I think they'll be a little bit ahead. 
at the time currently, but it's still going to be a shortage of some kind. And it's also funny because if you actually look at the news articles, like the New York Times is saying, oh, Republicans are evil with this. And even USA, um, USA Today has a story as well that talks about how the they're, they're saying formula shortage reveals GOP, GOP's compassion for American babies angered over nourished immigrant children. The article says the baby formula shortage has led to a number of Republicans to demonstrate their deep and abiding concern for the smallest among us, unless the smallest in question are the ones Republicans don't want among us. Texas rep Troy Nails, for example, tenderly tweeted Thursday, baby formula should go to Americans before illegals. This should not have to be said. Also not having to be said, apparently, is the undocumented children in the U.S. care by law, have to feed, and the whole not feeding a baby is kind of wrong thing, which in Nell's mind must be moral negotiable. It's interesting because I, in, in my mind, I mean, policies obviously that are happening in the Biden administration potentially is causing this a little bit, not too much though. We can't a hundred percent blame the Biden administration for this one, but I will say though, past policies in Washington has now led to this potentially. Okay, because according to Snoops, they have an article that is read as following was baby formula shipped to the US Mexico border amid shortage. And this is where things get a little interesting with this article. Because in this article, they claim that so they say in May 2022, as a shortage of baby formula in the United States continued, a, a photography supposed a, a photograph supposedly showing a pallet of baby formula at a detention facility on the border of the United States and Mexico was widely circulated online. It's kind of a big deal. In fact, a lot of people, I guess, are outraged by seeing this photo currently. And not only that, but it says later on, it actually talks about what is happening down there and how that there were laws in the past that were passed that made this situation pretty much come to be okay in fact there was a time in 1997 i think it was there was a law that was passed under bill clinton's administration that actually said that you you have to provide food for immigrant children at the u.s border and so past policies are now coming back to haunt the united states currently right now so you have to realize, people, a lot of times when you make decisions based off votes in the past, those representatives that you bring in are going to eventually determine what happens in the future. Okay, let's see if I can find that quick quote from them. Yeah, it says here, um, while we haven't been able to independently verify the origin of this picture, which is true, you have to verify the image, we see little reason to doubt that it's authentic. Even if it were somehow fake or misleading, possibly taken at a different facility or in a different year, it's almost certainly true that the border facility has some baby formula on hand. Why? Because it is required by law. So it says here, let's see. Is providing baby formula at the border a new policy? While outrage over the present baby formula at the border in 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 new and news in May of 2020, this isn't a new policy. In fact, border officials have been required to provide adequate food to minors since at least the 1990s. 
1997, during the former U.S. President Bill Clinton administration, a class action lawsuit regarding the treatment of immigrant children while in custody of the now uh, defunct Immigration and Naturalization Services, or the INS for short, was settled in what is known as the Flores Agreement. This agreement sets strict national standards for the detention and treatment of minors while in federal custody. Among other things, the Flores Agreement requires border officials to provide adequate food and water to any minor in their custodies. Quote, facilities were, this is, I guess, from the bill, facilities will provide access to toilets and sinks, drinking water and food as appropriate, medical assistance if the minor is in need of emergency services, adequate temperature control and ventilation, adequate supervision to protect minors from others, and contact with family members who are arrested with the minor. I mean, it just goes to show that, like I said, past laws affect markets on what's happening currently. So if you wish to fully understand what's happening, then you need to realize, like I said, past laws determine future markets. Keep that in mind, people, okay? Especially when you're investing your money, potentially, okay? I'm expecting a lot of these baby formula companies to potentially make a lot of money because they're going to have to raise prices soon. But if they keep sending baby formula to the border as well, there's going to be a lot of angry Americans soon. So keep an eye out for that. Baby formula, never thought that would be a huge topic, but you have to remember too, people were stockpiling a lot of baby formula in 2020 because of COVID. So it's, it's just cause and effect, cause and effect over and over again between politics and the market currently. On to our next article, exclusive. U.S. FAA finds Boeing 787 certification documents incomplete from sources. From Seattle, Washington, U.S. air and safety regulators have told Boeing Company the documentation it submitted to win approval to resume the 787 deliveries to airlines after a year is incomplete. Two people familiar with the matter said the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration identified a number of omissions in Boeing documentation submitted in late April and have sent portions of it back to the plane maker, one of the people said. A second person said it was too early to say whether FAA concerns would lead to new delay in resuming deliveries, which have been suspended for the past year due to production flaws. Boeing shares, this was back on Friday, obviously, and it might be different today, but Boeing shares paired gains on Friday afternoon to trade up to 1% at $125.12 after rising as much as 6.2% earlier this in the session. Boeing Chief Executive Dave Calhoun highlighted the submission in the company's April 27th earning calls, calling it a very important step and saying it was preparing to f- the first 787 for delivery, but stopped short of providing a date. People briefed on the matter say this submission was made shortly before the call. A Boeing spokesperson said the company continues to have transparent dialogue and works closely with the FAA on the remaining steps. An FAA spokesman declined to elaborate, saying only safety drives the pace of our reviews. Clearing a swollen inventory of of twin aisle Dreamliners and its best-selling 737 MAX jets, it is vital to the U.S. plane maker's ability to emerge from the overlapping pandemic and jet safety crisis as a task come... complicated by supply chain bottlenecks and a war in Ukraine. Okay. I don't still don't see how the war of Ukraine is affecting Boeing in any way, shape or form. I mean, I guess if your planes aren't being shipped to Ukraine and Russia, I can see that if there was material coming from the Ukraine, I can see that. And maybe Russia, 
But Russia has their own manufacturer plant that builds their own planes. In fact, they're one of the top five, if I'm not mistaken. Probably the only five because it's a duopoly or quadopoly. I can't remember the details on that one. But there's there's pretty much only five companies that make planes. And one of them is based in Russia. Okay. Now, we have also talked about in the past that Boeing is moving their headquarters to Virginia. Okay. From Chicago. So... This might be another good reason to move because if you have situations like this going forward, you want these resolved as fast as possible. So Boeing, good move at moving to Virginia. This finally makes sense now because now you're having issues like this and you probably have to send someone from Chicago to DC. So probably in the future, it'll be a lot easier for them to get this paperwork done faster if they're in Virginia. So this is probably a good move to make. And investors should continue to look out for Boeing in this sense, because once they actually do officially move their headquarters to Virginia and and the building is open, that's when I think Boeing could potentially start seeing a bounce back in their share price, at least in my honest opinion. I mean, right now, Boeing doesn't pay dividend to any shareholders. So, I mean, I still think there's a lot of issues going on with Boeing. I personally wouldn't touch the stock, but it's still very interesting at the end of the day to be able to see these moves that they're making and why they're making them. And obviously we keep talking about them here on this podcast. Now on to more energy policies to end today's, well, not really energy, but it, it kind of touches a little bit on energies. Um, first, Tesla puts India entry plan on hold after deadlock on tariff source from sources. From New Delhi, Tesla Inc. has put on hold plans to sell electric cars in India, abandoned a search for showroom space, and reassigned some of its domestic team after failing to secure lower import taxes, three three people familiar with the matter told Reuters. The decision caps more than a year of a deadlock talks with government. Representatives at Tesla sought to first test demand by selling electric vehicles, or EVs, imported from production hubs in the United States and China at lower tariffs. But the Indian government is pushing Tesla to commit to manufacturing locally before it lowers tariffs, which can run at a, as high as 100% on imported vehicles. Tesla has set itself a deadline of February 1st, the day India unveils its budget and announces tax changes, to see if the lobbying brought a result the sources with knowledge of the company plan told Reuters. When Prime Minister uh, Modi's government did not offer a Uh, concession tesla put on hold the plans to import cars into india out of the sources who sought anonymity because the deliberations were private for months tesla has scouted for real estate options to open new showrooms and service centuries in key india cities of new delhi mumbai and ben bengaluru but the plan is now on hold two of the sources said Tesla did not respond to emails seeking comment and Indian government spokesman did not immediately respond to requests for comment. I find it interesting that Tesla has been thinking about having their cars in India. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, you still want to make money as a company. And so it is a wise move to try to get more customers, but I don't see India play the India play really working out for Tesla, at least not in the short term, maybe in the long run when potentially, I mean, but I also, obviously I'm not in India. This is just my opinion currently, but it just doesn't seem like a smart move. At least, like I said, in my opinion, I think China was a smart move because there's a lot of 
people in China that want to have Teslas. And in fact, now there's more competition in China with more electric vehicles being created because of Tesla going there. And maybe that will end up happening in India too. Who knows? I mean, maybe Elon knows something that I don't currently, obviously. But in the short term, I don't see it really working out. But potentially in the long term, it could. I mean, taxes will be a huge reason too for Tesla moving. But it's still something that you should continue to watch if you want. If you are a Tesla investor and if you think India is the next stomping ground for Tesla to make money, then by all means, maybe it will be a good day for them. Final article. Now let's talk about energy. And this one I find the most interesting because it ties back into what happened also ironically with a bank shareholders meeting back in April from an analysis, big oil get investors reprieve as energy worries trump climate concerns from Boston and London. Big oil has enjoyed an easier ride at shareholder meetings so far this year compared with last year's um, punishing run on hostile investors, votes tied to climate concerns as those issues have been eclipsed by tight oil supplies. Major oil companies have handily defeated several high-profile climate resolutions brought by shareholder activists and the current run of annual general meetings. Investors' more supportive stance coincides with a surge in energy prices in the wake of Russia invasion of Ukraine and follows the efforts of many companies to speed up plans to transition to a low-carbon economy after years of pressure. Quote, it, has, it might be that big oil has convinced some investors that, that the energy crisis overrides the climate crisis, said Dutch environmental activists. This is an organization that has filed a number of resolutions defeated at a recent AGM referring to the impact of the conflict in Ukraine. Last year, companies faced an upsurge of shareholder support for resolutions and votes on environmental and social issues. ExxonMobil Corp., for example, had three new directors voted on the Texas-based company board, marking a landmark win for activist investors. But that was then. Only 15% votes cast at BP's annual meeting on May 12th backed a call for the British oil company to accelerate its energy transition compared to 21% in favor in the similar vote last year. Also, 17% of investors backed a call of emissions reduction targets at Occidental Petroleum Corp., or OXY for short, at its May 6th shareholder meeting, while 16% supported a measure on April 27th asking, asking Marathon Petroleum Corp., to report on how its transitions plans affected workers and communities. And finally, at ConocoPhillips, 58% votes uh, cast last year backed a, plan, backed a push to set emission reduction targets. On May 12th, only 42% supported a similar measure and asked the Houston-based company to set overall emission reductions in line with the Paris climate goals, according to security filings. Later on this year, or I guess this quarter, we have... Uh, no, this month we have Chevron, Exxon, and Shell who will be reporting. And I have a feeling that those numbers voting across the board are going to be similar. Okay. I've always wondered for a long time what would happen when conflict in the world had happened with oil, which involves oil. Okay. And I think our answer is finally coming to make us realize, at least as a society of humans, that when it comes to crises, it's more important to be able to sustain a society versus potential activist ideas, okay? 
Because here's the other thing that becomes more interesting. Banks last month in April, they had their shareholders meeting. Okay. And in their shareholder meetings, it's almost similar to what happened with big oil that we just talked about. Because it says here, bank shareholder proposals to curb new fossil fuel lending get slim support. Why would it get slim support in the banking sector as well, along with oil? Okay. From New York and Boston on April 26, shareholders' proposals asking banks to take a stronger action on climate change by ending new fossil fuel financing activities failed to get much support as investor meetings on Tuesday. Investors at Citigroup and Bank of America gave little backing to proposals, essentially asking the banks to stop financing new fossil fuel supplies with less than 13% of shares at Citi and less than 11% of shares at Bank of America. Cast in support of the proposals, according to preliminary tallies given by bank leaders. Wells Fargo investors gave less than 11, 11% support to a similar proposal, asking the bank to adopt a similar policy by the end of 2022. Their shareholder resolution has been closely watched as a test of how investors will weigh climate concerns against rising energy prices. Several other banks and insurance companies will face similar shareholder proposals at their meetings later this year. So we got to pay attention to this, okay? Because right now we are in an energy crisis within the United States and potentially in the world, okay? We know, for instance, that Sri Lanka, which we talked about last week on Friday, which you, I would advise listening to the podcast a little bit, they're having an energy crisis as well because they can't import enough oil currently right now, okay? At the end of the day, when humans have their back against the wall, they will choose the comfort over the the activist role, I guess you can say, at least in my opinion. And this is kind of proving it right now. I mean, I remember last year when hearing about big oil and how they had to like, like Exxon had to take over of these activist investors on the board. And everyone was like, oh, this is a giant win for activists because... They, uh, they're going to now change things and lower emissions and all that stuff. And now with a war in Ukraine, it seems like people are realizing I would rather have cheap gas than have to worry about the climate currently. Now, granted, this could be a short-term resolution. And if like the war were to end tomorrow with Russia and Ukraine, then activists might be able to get what they want. But maybe some people don't turn back at the end of the day. Maybe some people just realize... Hey, I liked it better when I had lower oil because then I was able to like put gas in my car at cheaper prices and my energy bill at home wasn't so high as well. This is going to get interesting. We have to keep watching this people. I mean, there's other like insurance companies are going to have to be able to give almost the exact report soon. And and when they do, it's going to be just as interesting to see how these shareholders vote. Now, granted, maybe it's also too because there's not as many activists this time because sometimes when they get their moral victories, they'll just be like, okay, we're done. Potentially. I mean, that's how the market works sometimes is when people get what they want for their vote or if they made a profit because let's face it, money's also a factor in this as well. Maybe these people sold their shares and so there was less support for it this time around. But I don't think that's the full case. I think it's because people are starting to realize they would rather have cheaper oil and cheaper gas. Okay. It says here later on that same article about the banks that investors pepped bank directors and executives with questions on a range of social environmental policies. 
The questions reflected strong and held views by environment and human activities who called on banks to expand pro-environmental communities and examine radical equality among employees, Republican-leaning viewpoints, critical of Wall Street's embrace environment and social concerns. I think a lot of these issues are going to be end up being pushed in the, the wayside, at least this year. I think people are fed up. I think people want lower energy. And I think oil companies are going to benefit a lot. I think banks are going to start lending more money, potentially these oil companies, so they can continue to drill more. Now, granted, the the uh, policies in Washington could potentially affect what happens to the oil industry and what money the banks do lend. But if things keep getting worse and oil prices keep going up, these activists might have to choose at the end of the day. I still think oil's still a decent investment this year. And I, don't, and I think more for not only this year, but for years to come as well. Because like I said, the world runs on oil. If you're driving to work right now as you're listening to this podcast, think about it. Even if you're driving an electric vehicle, most of the parts in your car was touched by oil at some point. I'll just give you one tiny example. The tires you're driving right now on that car, whether it's electric or gas, came from oil. And the body of your car, which you don't think about much, most likely came from oil as well. I think if you were to realize how much oil touched your lives, I think a lot of people would realize that they didn't realize it. I mean, even currently right now, I'm looking at the supplies as I'm recording this podcast, and I realize how much oil is touching me, so for me to be able to provide this podcast. So it's something that everyone's going to have to think about at the end of the day. And that's something we need to keep an eye out for. See if these activists are able to get what they want this year, which I don't see happening. So, but yeah, with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, I'd ask that you please like and subscribe to this podcast as every video we get out there, we can continue to grow this podcast and be able to talk more about what's happening in the market and a little bit of what's happening in politics as well as well, even though mostly it's about the market. But the two are intertwined. So like I said, thank you so much for listening to you guys. Please like and share. Please share with your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy it as well. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.